This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Our theme for the year is making or becoming obedient disciples that are rooted in Christ. Tonight we're going to read 28 verses of one chapter together. We're breaking it up in two parts or three parts. And we're going to look at this profound moment before Jesus went up to the cross. Uh, There was some stuff that had had to change in their lives. And I think a lot of us, we sometimes get used to church as we say, I'm going to church. But our motto here is, we are the church. Church happens every day. The book of Acts people were getting together in the temple, breaking bread, fellowshipping in the apostles' doctrine, prayers having communion, sharing all things. Um, That was the first church. So church isn't a building we go to. It's not an event. It's not a nice jump up and down. Worship isn't the songs that we sing. Worship is you bringing all of you to God. You surrendering to God. Even when you bring your worst or your best, that is worship. We sometimes say, hey, the worship was nice tonight, but, you know, people never determine whether the worship was nice only god can say if the worship was nice when it glorified him but sometimes worship is centered around people whether we feel good or not but the question should be does god feel glorified through our worship and that's why we can sing all the right songs sometimes we put in the nice cd and we jump up and down but hey that's not worship that's just background music but when you bring your heart to God. And so the first part in this chapter, Matthew chapter 16, I trust you can all read there, talks about the condition of your heart. And God, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, and he was busy preparing his disciples for this time to go up to the cross. And there were some profound things that he said, and we're going to pray. So Father, we thank you for your word. Your word brings light and life. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts between soul and spirit. Lord, your word is like rain. It never returns void to you. Lord, our hearts, let it be good ground for your word. Penetrate our hearts with your incorruptible seed so that it can produce fruit tonight. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher here. You're the one who brings revelation to us. We cannot, Lord, read your word without your spirit. And so tonight, Lord, quiet our souls, and we say, be still, my soul, and know that he is God. Change us, transform us. We want to be obedient to your word. We want to be disciples to follow you, Lord. We hear, and we thank you that your word never fails. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, amen. When you say amen, you say, I agree. So Matthew chapter 16, 28 verses. Fasten your seatbelt. Go like this. Just go like this. Okay. Okay. We're going to go quickly. Then the Pharisees and the Sadducees came and testing him. They tested him. This was this group of religious leaders. The group of religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It's already, you can almost miss the whole story because right at the beginning, there's a massive challenge. Because two groups of people that never agreed on anything agreed for the first time. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the one group said, we believe in the resurrection of the dead. The other said, no. They were the religious leaders. They were very different to each other, but they came into agreement, and that was to test Jesus. 
testing him, asking him who would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said to them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, actors, you live one lifestyle, but in your heart, you're something else. You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet of Jonah. And he left them and departed. And now when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread, so they forgot food. Then Jesus said to them, take heed, beware, and beware of the leaven, say the leaven, of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay, for those of you who wanted to say that, you can say that, that's cool. And so now they suddenly they start to turn to each other and they say, they reason among themselves saying, it is because we have taken no bread. But Jesus being aware of it said to them, oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Nor the seven loaves of the 4,000. There were two twice that Jesus multiplied the bread and the fish, nor the seven loaves of the 4,000. How many large baskets you took up? How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? I wasn't speaking to, you about, speaking to you about the natural, he says. But to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Sure. Crazy. So twice Jesus warns them, says, there's a group of people. They're religious leaders. They, some of them could quote the first five books of the Bible by heart. But these group, groups, they, they, they operate and sometimes they bring stuff and it's not against people. But what they're saying is there's something that can creep into our heart. And it's leaven, he says. Leaven is something that you put like, you know, um, what's it like, into the dough. And then the next morning that dough has risen over the, is that the right word, Kumi? Sir Deach. Yeah, yeah. Okay, she's just correcting me. She's 80 years old, so if you're over 80, you can correct the pastor while he's speaking, because I can't hear. But sir dich, dough. But the leaven is what you put into the dough, and then it rises overnight. Have you seen that? Then suddenly you're like, everything bursts because it just like goes like this. You realize like, wow, I've put in too much of this um, stuff into this dough, and so now it's like ruining the bread. So it creeps in. You don't know how much is in there, but a little... Leaven can like increase this whole thing. So he's talking about your heart and the condition of your heart. And he says, the problem with these guys wasn't the scripture or they could learn the scripture, but there were certain things. And I will sort of summarize it quickly because this is where the story starts. He warns them twice. And this is what we should heed the warning of as, as Christians today. If you are a Christian or not, we trust you'll meet Jesus tonight. But the Pharisees, they focused on one thing. And this was, this was the problem. Religion was something that was about a lot of commands and rules. They looked at outward ritual and outward purity. So they said, just be, be holy on the outside. Just, you know, they wore these robes. They did a lot of stuff. They walked around and they really looked like, wow, they, they really like these group of people. They even spoke differently and they just like wouldn't even mention the name of God completely. They just... But they never focused on the inner state of the heart, the condition of the heart. The second group were the Sadducees. They were a wealthy, aristocratic group of people, a small group, like a tribe in this Jewish 
area. And um, they looked at the kingdom was about outward goods. It was about prosperity. It was um, about political connection. So they just wanted to be in with the Romans, and the Romans was ruling the area. So it was all about politics. It was all about scheming. Um, it was about what you can do on the outside, who you know, what places you go to, all those stuff. But uh, they said the true change is not the change of, you know, but I said true change is not the change of outward circumstance, but that of the heart. God looks at the heart. And so Jesus warns his disciples and he says, look here, you, you can be a Christian, you can jump up and down, but your heart can be far from me. And that's why David was a man after God's heart. Isn't that amazing? David was a sinner. He did a lot of mistakes, but he was seeking God. He says, God against you and you alone have I sinned. Go and read Psalm 51. Just after he sinned with Bathsheba, he wasn't like trying to impress anybody. He just knew that repentance was coming to God and just say, Lord, help. I've sinned against you. Restore, restore your joy. Restore my life. And so the Bible talks about this condition sometimes if we have an uncircumcised heart. Say an uncircumcised heart. That means like we, are, we give a part of our heart to God, but there's so many rooms in our house that are not open for God to move in. Now, I grew up on a farm. How many farmers here? Any, any people from the free state? But we had these old, we had an old house, like this farmhouse, you know. And then there was this big area where you would welcome people. And the, as children, we could never play in that front area. But that was the area where Opa and Oma brought out all the silver trays, all the cake, everything. So if some important people came to visit, then the front area, the lounge area, not the TV room, the lounge area. Nobody ever sat there. Nobody ever played there. That was like holy room, you know. And so when the nice people or the snob people came or the like upper class people, or when they came to visit on the farm, that place is, is like Silver tray, all the good stuff is put out there, carrot cake. It's just the most amazing moment, you know? And, and it's been prepared for a week. Then Omar would walk in and Omar would say like, yo. And the guy would say like, oh, that's nice cake. Did you bake it? Yes. And then we all know Omar lied. It wasn't, she didn't bake the cake. It was Tani around the corner that baked the cake. But oh, no, you know, we're going to pretend because there's important people here. And then sometimes if there were stuff in that room, then we would take all the stuff in the room and we'd go and hide it into all the back rooms, yeah? Well, there's one specific room at the back and we'll stuff everything in there, close the room, lock the door and pretend as if this, this house is perfectly in order. How many of you have rooms like that at house? You know, when people come to visit, ah, yeah? Some of you, when mom comes to visit you in the residence, you, you just stick everything under the bed, under the everything. That cupboard can't even close, you know, but you just like... You know, you close it, you make sure that thing is duct taped and double taped and stick taped and everything, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because, because we, we want to, the Afrikaans is ons wil die beste foekie voorsit, eh? We want to put the best foot in front. Is that the right English? No, no. Okay, but in any case, so. So, that's the problem and God says, don't do that with me. Don't be a Pharisee. Don't be a Sadducee. And later on, he actually spoke against the Pharisees and the Sadducees. It was the only people he resisted. And he says, you brood of vipers. You clean the outside of the cup, but the inside of the cup is dirty. And says, he says to his disciples as he's training them, he says, as you are being a disciple, as you're following me, 
beware. Because it's so easy that it can creep into your heart that you want to do everything on the outside. That God is interested in your heart. He wants to know your heart. He knows you better than yourself. Did you know that? Huh? Turkey? He knows you better than yourself. Come on. No, you, I can hide from God. No, 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 no. He knows exactly what's in that back room of your heart. That fear, that stuff. Wow. And when you open it up to him, the amazing thing is he will never shame you. He will never say like, oh, I always knew about that room. I knew, I knew, I knew it. Come, let's go show the world. But Jesus says to his disciples, beware. Beware of that. Because sometimes we can even do that with doctrine. We can put doctrine in front of people. We can pretend to know everything. But then we just judge them. I told the story this morning. I'm going to tell it again. I have to be quick tonight. But that's three hours. I mean, lock the doors. Lock the door. Can I tell the story? Can I tell a story? How many of you allow me to tell a story? One, two, three, four. I've got lots of stories. I guess it's going to be lots of hours. But so... So Louise and I, my wife, we just got married, and now we, you know, you think like, whoa, and I really want to tell you, bless your parents, okay? Bless your parents, because once you get that first salary check, you think you're going to get a lot of money, you'll have nothing of it. It just goes like, view, view, view. By the 20th of the month, all the money is gone. You think like, wow. Peanut butter and bread sandwiches has never been so nice, Okay? So in the six month into marriage, we get this moment where we, on the 20th, we have, we still stayed in Kluver Road, there next to Indrach. And um, at the back of the house, there was this little flat. And so we have no food left, not even bread, not even peanut butter. I couldn't even dip my finger in the peanut butter or the syrup. So there was nothing. So this morning I had quiet time and I said, okay, Lord, sure. This is not real. This is probably the first time I did not have food and we didn't have money i was too proudful to phone anyone in church because hey you you're like the small group leader you know you're the zone leader and you're like people look up to you you know where's your faith you know so in any case so that was a bit of pride so so i'm walking around and i'm doing the washing or i'm taking the washing and i put it on the on the line that was already a miracle you know hallelujah so so as i walk out i'm busy thinking lord how are you going to provide for this and in the on the side there's this car this little red rusty Mazda and smoke is coming out of the car. But it's not because of the engine, but because there's a guy sitting in the car that is smoking like the car is on fire, you know? So it's going like, and I'm thinking like, like typical South African, what are you coming to take? You know, what do you do? Check this dodgy person, you know? So now I walk with this laundry and I go and I just check and I say, but because he's standing on, in our property, he's just like, park there and i think like and the smoke is coming out and i say okay okay it's the guy smoking it's not the engine so hallelujah at least we won't have you know any problems but so now i'm checking this guy out because there's a guy and and he's sort of like dodging me every time i look at him in the car he just like looks the other way eventually i go now i walk up and down i just take one piece at a time to go and put on the line because i want to check i want to protect my wife you know we're six months married you know we 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 you know we we're there so i walk past twice Eventually, this guy gets out of the car, so now he's standing next to the car, and he's just one cigarette after the other, one cigarette, and smoking, smoking. And so I'm walking. The third time I come past, because now I'm checking out this guy. His pants is somewhere here. The underpants is stuck out. Every, all the, you know, he's hanging on the car, and I'm thinking, like, sure. So I said, what are you doing now? He's waiting for his brother next door, all that stuff. Long story short, you know, <clears throat> so I'm still at the back of my mind. What are we going to eat tonight, you know? 
three o'clock in the afternoon, Saturday. And so the fourth time I walked past this guy, the guy says to me, do you want meat? <laughs> I looked at him. I thought, like, this stranger. I, I go, went back to him. I said, no. <laughs> so I go back into the house. As I enter the room, God speaks to me. He says, never reject the way I want to bless you. I think, like, so I go back again. Say, excuse me, repeat what you just said. He says, do you want meat? I say, yes, I think I, I do want meat, thank you. <laughs> now that Mazda, the Mazda is already like this, you know. It's lo- now Jesus begins to tell them what he wants to go to. So, Matthew 16, verse 13, now the story continues. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And so they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you Simon Barjona. So he talks to him in the natural because his name was Simon. Jesus gave him another name, Peter. He says, blessed are you in the flesh, Simon. For flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, this revelation that you have of who I am, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Say the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on the earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on the earth will be loose in heaven. And then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that it was Jesus the Christ. Profound story. You can almost miss the whole thing. But Jesus begins to walk around. He says, okay, now that we've dealt with the condition of your heart, let's begin to ask you, what's your confession? Who do you say that I am? First, who do the people say? What's the opinion of people out there? No, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're the prophet. Some say John the Baptist that came. There's there's so many opinions of who Jesus is. And then that moment when Jesus turns around and he asks his disciples, okay, but who do you say that I am? And then Peter comes with this amazing revelation. He says, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You're not a son of a dead God. You're not a God up there. You are the Christ. You are the anointed one. You're the one full of the Holy Spirit. That's what Christ, the Messiah, refers to. And then the Lord says, blessed are you, Peter. This is amazing. When you realize who I really am, because now you must know that they were thinking Jesus was just maybe a prophet, maybe he was just like, uh, they're still making up their mind. And this moment when Peter declares, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You're not the illegitimate child that everybody's saying. You're not like just the guy from Nazareth, from Galilee. You're not just, you're not just here backwards. You, you are actually the son of God. You're the Christ. You, you're full of the Holy Spirit and, and you I have this revelation. Then Jesus says, wow, when you know this revelation of who I really am, what's going to begin to happen? The kingdom of God is going to come. And you're going to get keys in this kingdom that's going to unlock doors. It's going to unlock hearts. It's going to break open stuff. The gates of Hades. What was the gates? The gates were the place where the elders sat of every city. And there they made all the decisions of that city. The Lord says, I'm I'm going to give you church. I'm going to give you the gates of this city. I'm going to give you the keys of Stellenbosch. Because as you surrender your heart, as you begin to confess who Christ is, that's why it's so important when James and the band says, hey, this is not just a song. Jesus, when we say that name, ah, 
There's power in that name. That's why the world blasphemes that name. That's why the movies blasphemes that name, because there's power in the name of Jesus. But he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Keys unlock doors. There's a lot of doors in your life that needs to be unlocked. The, un- the unfortunate, sad part of many churches like ours is it has become an encouragement place, a place, a feel-good place. Where Jesus is not the center anymore, but the outward or the feeling good or you become a better you. I remember going to this church with, with Angus in America and there was like four, five services of I think 15,000 people a service. Beautiful worship music, amazing media. People were psyched up, shouting. People were just so excited. It was just best coffee ever, even carrot cake, free. Everything was perfect except one thing. God wasn't welcome there. Jesus says, I've got so much more, but there's doors that you need to unlock, that you need to walk through. I'm that door, but you need, you need to come. And it's only when you walk in revelation knowledge of who I am. You see, a lot of people tell you and may say to you tonight, oh, you know, just become a better you. Find your identity, but you will never find your identity if it's not in the light, in the face of Christ. You can only find your identity once you know who he is, <laughs> because he made you. No, 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 there's five steps to become a better you. Five, five, you know, become the best this, become the best that, you know. Just psych yourself up, but you go up, but you know what? It's just been in the soul. And that's why Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And who do you say that I am? And that's so exciting when you start to walk as the church of Jesus Christ. He says, I will build my church. Jesus will build his church. But then the strange thing begins to happen. Verse 20, he says to them, don't tell anybody that I'm the Christ. This isn't a cheap revelation. This isn't just like, go this way, that go. Just, he says, don't tell anybody. Because you can tell everybody, but if it's not in their hearts, if they haven't engaged their heart, you know what? It's just going to become a Pharisee, Sadducee experience. Sure. Because then just church becomes just rules and regulations. Or what's in it for me, God? But there's something more. Now it becomes this scripture that we've read because now jesus comes to this place where he talks to peter because the same peter that just confessed jesus listen to what happens now from that time jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day then jesus peter took jesus aside and began to rebuke him far be it from you this shall not happen to you. But he turned and, because there's exclamation mark. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. What was the root problem? Peter started to listen to the opinion of people. You're not mindful of the things of God. You have become mindful of what people say. Because here Peter was thinking like, hey, Jesus, you're going to rule. You're going to reign. You, you, we, we're going to do this thing together. You, you're going to be the reigning Messiah. But Jesus was speaking about the suffering Messiah. He was talking about the greatest thing ever is the sacrifice that we make. And the modern church doesn't want to hear that. 
We don't want to talk about servanthood and suffering and your life become a, becoming a sacrifice to God. Say, God, I exist to please you. I exist to worship you. And that's why what started to happen is Peter started to get in the way of where Jesus wanted to go. And that's why he says, get, get behind me. That influence, that Satan that's been talking to you, the world that's been coming. Come, come behind me. Come, get behind me, Peter. I'm going. Don't stand in my way. Jesus is always moving. And you and I have an opportunity to move with him, to follow him. I mean, you don't need to do it on your own. Just follow him. Just say, hey, I'm going to be obedient. Lord, here I am. Take control. I want to follow you. Yo. It's getting very quiet here. Why is it so quiet in here? You are an offense to me, Peter, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Yo, the profound words that echoed what true disciples is, true discipleship. You see, there's a cost involved to be a disciple. Too many people say, no, 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 it's just, it's just nice. Just come with the crowd. Go with the crowd. Jesus made radical statements. The real Jesus. Not the encouragement Jesus. He will encourage you. He will tell you how much he loves you. But there was some tough stuff he said. Unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no part of me. Unless you learn that this walk with me is a sacrificial walk. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's about him. But see, we don't want to hear that because, hey, sometimes we all hurt. Sometimes we bring our silver trays to Jesus. And we say, Jesus, look how nice everything is. And then Jesus just stands and says, I know that back room. I know what you're hiding in that back room. I want in everything in your heart. And you, what an invitation, what a place. Because he says, I, I want to give you so much more. It's not that I want to be a spoiled sport. Not that I want to take away from you. I want in because, hey, I, I want you to discover that I want to use you for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is going to come. I'm going to give you the keys. You're going to set stuff free. And you're going to, I'm going to use you to see this town come to Christ. I'm going to use you to see this nation come to Christ. But the way is sacrifice. I'm very challenged when I read scripture. I don't know about you, but most of the letters, even of Paul, was written while he was in prison. And then he says, rejoice always. I say again, rejoice. And you think like, what? Be thankful in everything. And you think like, that's not the modern day gospel. The highest form of worship is to become a servant of God. Well done, good and faithful. Preacher! <laughs> well done, good and faithful. Sportsman! No, no. Well done, good and faithful servant, to serve God. Wow. To serve God. To serve God. To serve. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. So there was a stuff that happened in the wilderness when the devil came to Jesus. What did he tempt him on? Well, very, very simple, on material things. Turn the stones into bread. On doing a sensational act, performing for the people. Just jump off the jump off the building. Everybody's gonna come. Just Jesus do that. <laughs> Compromise with the world. Jesus, just just reduce your standards. 
that same temptation is still in the church. Jesus, just do a sign for me and then I'll believe. Just, Jesus, just do a miracle for me and then I'll... And that's why the world is, is looking at the church and they say there's no power. There's no power. There's no power. I don't know about you, but I'll, I want to see the gates of Hades not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Anyone that wants to join me? I mean, turn to your neighbor and say, hey, you're invited. You're invited to receive the keys of the kingdom. I mean, <laughs> listen, this verse 25. We're almost finished. Three, three more verses to go. It's getting very quiet here. Woo. Okay, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each one according to his work. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Jesus is on his way to the cross, and he's busy preparing his disciples. He says, hey, this is the way. You're invited to come with. This is the way. Whoever denies himself, whoever take up, takes up his cross, learn to serve, learn to sacrifice, learn to say, God, yeah, I've got so many options, but you know what? I'm going to serve you. Lord, what do you want? That's when obedience comes. Not performing for God, because that's a big difference. Performing is you want again on the outside to let other people say, Ooh, I can see, you know, those holes in your, in your pants, those jeans, it must be of praying, you know. <laughs> You've probably been praying for five years. Anybody with holes in their pants here tonight? Okay, just check your neighbor, you know. It's, it's, just say it's because I've been praying, you know. So some people wear holes in their knees. Oh, yeah, I see some people right here through the, can't hide, you know. But so, oh, you know, I've been praying, brother, yeah. And then and they say, yeah, I've been praying for you, you know. And you think you're lying, you haven't been praying, you know. Now, all the people with the holes in their pants are just going like, no, 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 check that, check that in the, in the roof, you know. But it's amazing, you know, when, when we're around God, and that's so beautiful about the scripture where Peter has this encounter with Jesus, and the moment he says, Jesus, you're the Christ, the next moment, Jesus rebukes him and says, no, 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 that, that's no place for that. No place for that hypocrisy. Don't become a Pharisee and a Sadducee. Don't, don't talk about what the people talk. Peter, I'm interested in you. Bring all of your heart. Have a circumcised heart. What an invitation. Tonight, some people are going to get baptized. It's a public declaration to the spiritual realm that we belong to Jesus. It is so profound. It is so spiritual. It's not just something we do in water because we're declaring we identify with Jesus. Yeah. When I got baptized, my grandfather said, I'm going to disinherit you. I said, well, I thought, he hasn't got a lot, so hallelujah, in any case, so let's go. <laughs> but I wanted his car, so I thought like, oh, no, man. But car, Jesus, Jesus, I mean. Yeah. But there are people all across the world that are following Jesus so passionately because hey, they've, they've put their hand onto the plow. I remember going to Iran, and we're sitting there in this church, and this little boy, nine years old, every morning, 3 a.m., he wakes up. For six hours, he sits under the table with a little torch. He reads his Bible. Because when his parents find out, they'll kick him out of the house. Under the little table in the kitchen with his little torch. His greatest possession is his Bible. 
We went to China. Looking at a group of people for the first time in their life. A lady, 72 years old, receiving a Bible. Weeping for three hours. Because she's got the privilege to know the word of God. And I've got 12 Bibles at home. Gathering dust. There's an invitation. There's an invitation to come higher. There's an invitation not to do stuff on the outside, but to bring all of your heart. So tonight there's a challenge, and this is what Jesus was teaching his disciples. He says, come out. I want, I want to show you what real discipleship is. Discipleship has got nothing to do with just an event on a Sunday. Discipleship is about bringing your heart and checking the condition of your heart. And that's why repentance is so beautiful. And then when you see the condition of your heart, you begin to confess who Jesus is and what he has done. Because you can't change your heart. You can just see, wow, Lord, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And then you begin to follow. Say, okay, Lord, I'm miserable. I'm wretched. Amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. James, I want us to sing that song. Can you just come up? Don't want the band, just you. Sorry, band. No offense. Because sometimes we get so busy, but it, it's so great to fix all the outside stuff. And Jesus taught his disciples, come on, beware. Beware in your heart of the living of the Pharisees. In this town of ours, there's lots of churchianity going up. Every month there's a new church starting. The question is, is just is Christ the center? Another 300 churches can start up as long as Christ is the center. But unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of stuff that deals with all this stuff, but never deals with the issue of your heart. This weekend, we had a men's camp. Just some older men and young men and people just weeping, breaking before God. When last did you weep? When last did you allow God to give you a soft heart? When last did you just say, Lord, break my heart for what breaks yours? When last did you say, look, wow, Lord, just the revelation of who you are? But see, we become intellectual. We, become, we have all the reasoning. But then you know. There's no fire here. There's no softness here. You've lost the ability to feel. Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Because what does it do? It, it robs you of having faith in God. It says, why have you got so little faith? Beware of that leaven when it comes in. Because it never comes through the front door. It always comes through the back door. Somebody gives you some opinion. Some people can just say, oh, you're never going to do this. Oh, you're never going to do that. Oh, be, ooh. this funny guy, you know. I know Fani's type, you know. He's, he's just proudful. He won three gold medals. Was it three or four? Three. Three gold medals at the Paralympics the other day. But he's just full of pride. Stay away from him, you know. And then we start to talk. And then the, what the devil begins to do, you know, the devil begins to accuse. Do you know what the devil's main job is? To deceive and accuse. If we allow our heart to be compartmentalized and not open to God, then the devil begins to accuse. And it, the Bible says that he accuses the brethren, you and me, brethren and sisterin, okay? 
He accuses you day and night before the throne room of God, always pointing the finger. You will never make it. Just stay away. You're going to get hurt again. Don't come so close to God. No, no, no. Don't, don't trust those shofar people, you know. Don't trust that small group. No, 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 no. no. You know, you're a failure. You're going to be rejected. And then we get isolated, and then he does exactly the same. We begin to accuse ourselves. And then we begin to accuse God. And then we begin to accuse the brethren around us. Because we're not whole. So when you hear adversity, search for wholeness. Pursue wholeness in God. Not perfection, wholeness. Turn to your neighbor and say wholeness. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.